Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. The longer you're in this relationship, the harder it is to get out of because you start to think, well, how am I going to get out of this thing? Like, it's going to affect all these people or what, what are these people going to think or what's going to happen with the clients and, you know, all that sort of thing. But let me just tell you something right now. None of that, none of that is worth the pain of the headache and the heartache and the nightmare that you're in right now. It's not. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. In this episode, we are going to be tackling narcissism in the workplace, bullying in the workplace, narcissism in the workplace. If you are dealing with a colleague, a boss, anybody that you work with, maybe it's a client I have dealt with a narcissistic business partner before. They are the worst. It is just as traumatizing as a family member sometimes. I mean, if you have to deal with this person 40 hours a week or 100 hours a week, whatever, it is just as bad. Believe me, I know. And in that vein, by the way, I've got a brand new book to help you slay the bully, how to negotiate with a narcissist and win, make sure you go right now, run, don't walk, run. Go get on your phone right now, go to slaythebully.com and get my brand new book because I have put every secret in there. Slaythebully.com and pre-order this book because if you pre-order it now, you actually get early access to the entire manuscript and you get all kinds of really cool bonuses, including a masterclass, a workbook, all kinds of really cool things worth at least $400 or more. So go to slaythebully.com, get your brand new book. All right, let's dive into this really, really powerful and so important episode. Okay, so I also had to deal with a narcissistic business partner. Maybe you are thinking of taking on a new partner. Maybe you're in a partnership with someone, or maybe you are um, talking to somebody about potentially partnering with them, and you want to know, is this person a narcissist? So I'm going to tell you a little story that somebody just recently told me that I thought was it summed it up so incredibly that I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like this is an actual story. Like this is a thing. So apparently it's a story from like a hundred years ago or something. And it's a story of, um, it's called the camel under the tent or the camel nose under the tent. And it's a story about a camel who was with his owner who was out in the Sahara desert or wherever they were. And they stopped for the night and they've got the tent up 
and the camel, they're, they're getting ready for, you know, to go to sleep for the night and the guy's inside. And the next thing you know, the camel sticks his little nose under the side of the tent and says, please, sir, it's very cold out here. Can I just have my nose under the tent? And the next thing you know, um, the guy goes, all right, fine. You know, just your nose, but nothing else. Next thing you know, the guy, the camel puts his whole head under. Please, sir, can I just have my head under here? It's like so much warmer in here. It's so nice. And it'll just be my head and everything else will stay outside. Can I just have my head in? And the guy goes, all right, I guess so. And the story just continues on. And by the time the, way, the guy wakes up in the morning, the camel is basically like in the bed and the guy is on the floor. Okay. And it's because the camel has basically taken over the entire thing and mistreating him on top of it. Okay. And that's kind of how it goes when you're dealing with a narcissistic business partner. I've coached a lot of people in the past who've had narcissistic business partners. And what's really interesting to me is that they all are kind of the same. You know, it starts off where they're like incredible. They just seem so perfect for you in every way. You know, so one of the people that I coached, um, she had a, 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 a business and her specialty was training people and her business partner specialty allegedly was going to be bringing in salespeople and, and, and uh, developing a sales team. And so they thought that they were like perfectly matched. Well, as it turns out that once they became partners, she ended up doing all the work. She was bringing in the salespeople. She was training people. She was doing everything. And her partner was like saying that she was going to do things, might do a little bare minimum, taking credit for everything. All the team thought that she was doing all the work. I mean, and, and it was a very similar situation with a situation that I had to deal with. And I've heard this from story after story after story. It's very, very similar. Um, they start off love bombing you, but not in a love bomb way, like a romantic way. It's like, Hey, listen, you've got a skill set that I don't have, or, or look at how perfectly aligned we are, or look, we should be best friends. Look how many similarities we have. Our backgrounds are so similar. We have so much going for us. We should totally work together. Um, you know, whatever it is, like they just bring you in. Oh my gosh. And, and at the beginning, they work really, really hard. You know, they're, they're doing all the work because they're love bombing you. So every day you're getting emails. They're working on this. They're creating a plan. They've got the great people lined up. They've got business space. If that's what you're looking for, they've got whatever it is. They're doing it. They're on it. And you're thinking, wow, this is amazing. Where have you been all of my life? Like, I can't believe how lucky I am. And you're telling everybody, wow, I just met this new person and we're going to have a business together. And they're incredible. They work so hard. They have all these amazing contacts. They, they're doing more than I am. It's just amazing. And so that's how it starts off. They love bomb you like that. 
so that in the beginning, before it, it's all, you know, actually cemented, they really, really work hard. They really, really show their stuff. So then what happens is you think, okay, uh, I'm not going to let them have all of my business. I'll let them just have a part of it, or maybe they'll do just this part of it. Next thing you know, there they are taking over the rest of it, or there's, they're doing nothing and you're doing all of the work and they're taking all of the credit for it. And then on top of that, you start to notice things that are off, like they're degrading you a little bit. Like, oh, I noticed that you took care of this thing, but I noticed that you had made a mistake or you forgot this part. I fixed it for you. Something like that. Um, that starts to happen. And then you start to notice other little things like they're taking credit for your work or they're taking credit for something that you did in the past, or there might even be like taking things that you had done or said and positioning it as if it is theirs. Um, and you think that's a little weird, but you know, okay. I mean, every once in a while you think, I mean, maybe everybody else thinks this person is so nice, especially if they're a covert narcissist. You think, well, maybe I'm just misreading it or maybe, maybe I'm making too much of it because everything else seems so great. And so you just continue on with the situation because you think it's going to serve you in some way, even though you probably have red flags going on right from the beginning but you just choose not to notice them because you think, well, maybe it'll work itself out. Maybe it won't be so bad. Let me just tell you something. Remember Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time, you will do yourself a huge favor if you start believing them the first time because things will start to get worse and worse. You'll start to notice other little things like that they didn't tell you about something or maybe money is missing. And if you ask them about the money, then they start to say, well, I had to put it in a different account because I couldn't put it in this account because of some, some reason that they make up, right? I'm going to transfer the money over and then the money doesn't get tr ever transferred. And then you have to ask them about it again. And they say, oh, I have to talk to my bookkeeper about how to do that or some made up excuse. And you, you just, again, you're starting to feel like it's not good. It's not good. But, you know, to your face, they might be nice. They, they, there might be parts of things that are, are going well. And they do the same kinds of things that you do in a, that happen in a regular relationship with the narcissist, you know, like, when you call them out, it might be projection. It was somebody else's fault, not their fault, denying. Uh, it's your fault. You did something wrong. We talked about that, gaslighting you. Um, you know, all those same kinds of things that happen in any narcissistic relationship because they're very similar. Um, another thing that you start noticing with narcissistic business partners is that triangulation. So they have a better relationship with the employees than you do. Um, you start to wonder, are they talking to them about you? Um, you're starting to feel like maybe they don't necessarily have your back. Maybe they're saying things about you that aren't true, or maybe they're just trying to 
set it up that they do most of the work, that they are the ones to be credited for, like maybe there was a raise that was given that they didn't want to do, but then, you know, you ended up talking the person into giving the employer a raise and then they take credit for it, you know, things like that. And you just start to go, that doesn't really feel all that good. And um, it just goes on and on. And the problem is what happens is, is like there are times that things are okay and, and how they end up starting to like Hoover you again is when they start to feel you pulling back. They start to feel you like going, you know what? I don't think I really want to do this anymore. Then they might like step up to the plate and start doing some of the things like that they should have been doing all along. They start taking care of some things for, for, for the business or for work. Um, because they want you to think, oh yeah, they are doing a little something. Um, but, and you know, they hope that you don't notice that they hadn't been doing anything all along that only now they're stepping up to the plate to, um, try to like snow you into thinking that like, yeah, they actually have some value. So that's kind of what, um, they are doing as a business partner. It's so evil because what happens is you just start to really notice and feel like you don't feel good. And you start to like obsess over it. Like, are they, are, who are they talking to? What are they doing? Are they creating a business on the side? Are they taking in money and they're not putting it in? Who are they? Are they turning people against me? And, and all of a sudden you're just in this mode all the time. And it's, um, and, and, and they also are like devaluing you like, Oh, um, I, what's the name of that thing that you did? I can't even remember the name of your thing, you know, thing like things like that. It's like, Oh, you don't remember. And it's like, I'm your business partner. Um, and, uh, it's, you just start to feel like you're ruminating on it constantly. And believe me, I know I've been there. And so, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking about it. You start to get paranoid. What are they doing now? And what happens is if I try to, the longer you're in this relationship, the harder it is to get out of because you start to think, well, how am I going to get out of this thing? Like it's going to affect all these people or what, what are these people going to think or what's going to happen with the clients and, you know, all that sort of thing. But let me just tell you something right now. None of that, none of that is worth the pain of the headache and the heartache and the nightmare that you're in right now. It's not, there's, it's definitely better to get out of it. Just rip the bandaid off, figure it out, figure out how you're going to make your exit plan. And then just keep going, put the blinders on, keep looking forward, look towards your goal. It'll be the best thing you ever did. Yes, there are going to be logistics to it, but figure them out. Everything can be figured out and your life will be so much better on the other side of this thing. Uh, you know, the air is sweeter, the sky is bluer. And, and, you know, remember, Bob Proctor actually just told me something. And you need to go check out my video on my interview with Bob Proctor. But one of the things that he said was, you are, uh, if you want to know where you stand vibrationally, look at the five people that are closest to you. And, you know, and if, if one of those people is basically, uh, trying to take you down and you don't trust them and you feel like there's a knife in your back all, all the time, then that is not helping you. It's actually bringing you down vibrationally too. So figuring out a way to get out of that will definitely help you. Okay, so 
There's a quote from Ben Franklin that is so apt here. And it is, um, the rotten apple spoils his companion. It was from his Poor Richard's Almanac. And it is so true that one bad apple, that one person can just ruin the entire place. I've experienced it. I've had to deal with narcissists as bosses in my past, as clients, as coworkers, as employees of mine. And in whatever form they come in, they excuse my French, but they completely suck in every single way. And so I want to help you with that because um, I've been there. And as Ben Franklin says, uh, one person can just ruin it for everyone. And and you know, you can just feel it like as you're walking into the the office sometimes or into the building. And, you know, a a lot of times now with COVID, things have changed. But if you're, you know, even having to get on a Zoom call with this person, I mean, you can just feel like that tension. You feel it in your body, you feel it in your gut, you feel it in your bones and your cells. And you just don't even want to be around that person. Um, you don't trust that person. Uh, and, and it just really can like ruin it for everyone. So the one thing I do want to say is that whatever form they come in, they engage in the same types of behavior that narcissists engage in with regard to whatever relationship that they're in. So if it's, you know, it starts off with that idealization phase, that love bombing phase where they come across as perfect, they're super charismatic, they're very very smart. Um, they, you know, they're leaders a lot of times. So they just seem to be like the perfect type of a person. And then they go into that devaluing phase and then the discard phase, the same way all narcissists do. But during that devalue phase, this is where you're going to start to see some stuff going on in the workplace that just drives you crazy, like projection. I mean, that's something I saw in one of my employees, you know, whenever she messed up, it was always someone else's fault. She could never take responsibility for herself. Um, lying, you know, they lie and then they deny or they deflect. And if you want to know more about what happens when you catch a narcissist in a lie, definitely check out my video on that topic. Um, and, you know, they also engage in complaining. I saw that actually a lot of times myself. One employee would start complaining about something because, you know, she was envious or she was jealous or she felt like somebody else got special treatment. And, you know, they live in this world that it's not fair. It's not fair. And no matter how much you give them, it's still not fair because that's their way of being. Or sometimes they're jealous of, you know, something that another employee has. And then they start bad mouthing or they start start spreading rumors maybe even about that person. Um, They might just plant a seed like with a boss and say, oh, you know, I saw that so-and-so came in late or I saw that so-and-so is talking to some other employer or something. It may not even be true, but they start spreading these rumors and you know, and if one person feels like, oh, how come we don't get so much time off? Or, you know, then everybody starts to, you know, jump on that bandwagon. Or if you have one boss who's just like so mean to everybody and, 
um, or maybe they're misogynistic, or maybe they're racist, or maybe they're, you know, whatever it is, but they, they devalue people. And so what you see is there's this sense of entitlement. You know, I just deserve to have it. I should have it. You know, I, I need special treatment, which is all part of the narcissism, seven deadly sins, which you can see in my video, the narcissist seven deadly sins as well. So, you know, and then when they start that smear campaign and the discard phase, which is typical of all narcissists, I mean, now maybe they're taking it out, even outside of work. Maybe they're smearing you uh, as, a, as an employee, as a boss, as a coworker, and they're telling everybody how awful you are. And I've seen this in many, many different contexts. I've, I've coached C-level executives. I've coached business partners. Uh, who are breaking up and, you know, now the business partner or the other executives are telling people things that aren't true. You know, you're difficult. And so it can be very, very difficult to do, to deal with. So what do you do about it? Um, number one is if they are your employee, definitely fire them. I made the mistake of, you know, just thinking that it would get better or th thinking that if I gave this person enough that they would be, you know, better, that they would be appreciative, but it just gets worse and worse and worse. It's sort of like, you know, you're dealing with a two-year-old in an adult body, basically. So if you indulge a child too much. They actually start demanding more and more and more. And that's what happens with narcissistic employees. So no matter who they are, no matter how skilled they are, they are replaceable. You will be better off getting somebody else who actually has less skills, but is super appreciative and actually cares and has integrity. I promise you. So if you have control over the situation where you can actually fire this person, definitely go ahead and do that. If it is your boss, I would suggest that you try to go find a different job if you possibly can. Because, you know, these people don't get better. It doesn't get better. It only gets worse. If you, that's the path that you're going to take, though, make sure that they have no idea that that is what you're doing. Continue your adulation, continue whatever level of supply you need to give them because. You don't want them um, suspecting because then, you know, remember with a narcissist, you're either for them or against them. And if you're against them, then you become public enemy number one. So, you know, just start quietly looking for another job. And, you know, and at the time that you need to move on, you just move on. Um, if it is a coworker, what I would say to you is stay in your lane, create your boundaries. Don't take the bait. Like if they want to talk to you, if they want to get involved with, you know, um, smearing other people or gossiping or anything like that, just, you know, don't take the bait. Don't get involved with that. I will say to you, cream always rises to the top. So, you know, your integrity will prevail eventually. If you are doing a great job, if you are staying in your lane and you're not getting involved with it, your bosses will see that eventually and it will pay off for you. Whatever job you have, do a fantastic job with it and your bosses will see. I know I've had lots of employees and I definitely can tell which ones have integrity and which ones don't. And that gets rewarded. 
So stay aware and alert. Smack them down if you need to. I will say this, you know, if you snuff them out and you call out their bluffing, I call it snuffing out the bluffing, um, and, and you actually kind of stand up to the narcissist, they'll back down because narcissists are actually very scared inside. They they are a little bit afraid of people who are strong. So just stand up to them and just say, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Um, you know, uh, I hope you have a great day. But um, you know, if you stand up to them a little bit, they'll they'll be a little bit nervous. If it's your coworker, um, and then as I say with every narcissist, if you can go no contact, go no contact because that will be the best thing for you. They do get in your head. They do start to you know. Um, cause this drama, trauma, and chaos. And um, if there's a way that you can get them out of your life, then you should definitely go ahead and do that. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day? But according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air and then sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier and air doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code, yourbestlife. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off 
or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. Everybody wants to know that they matter. That doesn't make the person a narcissist. Everybody wants to know that they matter. They want to be acknowledged. That that just makes a person a human, right? I mean, I'm sure you like that too. I know I like to be acknowledged. Of course, we all want to know that we matter. That's not being a narcissist. We're talking about they need to be the center of attention to the detriment of others. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to break free from hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I like to say that you should imagine that you're wearing this cloak. And now you've sewn onto the cloak a piece of metal for every bad thing that happened to you that you feel resentful about. And now this cloak is just weighing you down. It's so heavy with all those things sewn onto it. But all of those things happened in the past. And here you are dragging them with you into the present and into your future. But they're gone. They happened in the past. Shrug off that cloak. Leave those things behind you. And now we return to today's show. Maybe you are dealing with a toxic boss. Maybe it's a toxic colleague or whatever. But in this video, I really want to tackle those signs of a narcissistic boss because this is really one of the most horrible situations when you feel like you got to get up in the morning you got to go in and you just don't want to. I mean, you spend more time at work than probably anywhere else in your life. A lot of times we're sleeping, you know, we go home at night, we spend a couple of hours before we have to go to bed and then we got to get up and we got to do it all over again. If you're not happy at work because you have to deal with this person, it, it can really 
make your life miserable. So I want to go over the signs of narcissism at work, the signs of a narcissistic boss, so that you can spot this and and then maybe start to figure out how you're going to start putting some boundaries in place and maybe even start to create a plan for figure out if you're going to even stay in this particular situation or maybe figure out if you're going to move on and find a different situation. All right. So obviously, you know that the DSM-5 is what they use to determine whether or not a person is a narcissist at all. And one of the signs of narcissism is a need to be the center of attention. And so if this person needs to be the center of attention, not just, you know, I like to get attention, you know, everybody wants to know that they matter. That doesn't make the person a narcissist. Everybody wants to know that they matter. They want to be acknowledged. That that just makes a person a human, right? I mean, I'm sure you like that too. I know I like to be acknowledged. Of course, we all want to know that we matter. That's not being a narcissist. We're talking about they need to be the center of attention to the detriment of others. Not only do they need to be the center of attention, but they do this in a way that actually is hurtful to others a lot of times. And they regularly put themselves down, I mean, put other people down in order to make themselves look better. They manipulate situations to be the center of attention and make sure that they are the center of attention. I know that, you know, when I've had narcissistic bosses, which is why I haven't had a boss in a long time because I've owned my own company for a long time. But, you know, when I was in situations when I had bosses before and it was, you know, where they were taking credit for my work or other people's work in the company, you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, because they had to be the center of attention, I would write articles with people and they refused to put, you know, my name on it, It, you know, and it wasn't just me. It was, you know, other people in the company or, you know, you you do good things for the company and they don't want to acknowledge that, you know, or they play favorites with people in the company. They pit people against each other in the company, you know, that sort of thing. They talk bad about other people in the company. When you start to see situations like that, it is just not a good situation. They may even talk down to you. They talk badly to you. I've seen bosses where they actually are verbally abusive to employees. You know, I've actually seen bosses say things to employees like, this is the worst piece of S this uh, I've ever seen, where it, it actually is like, blatant like that. Or, you know, or it could be more passive aggressive 
than that. You know, like, is this something that you just made up? Or is this something that you actually did? Or they actually feeling like the employee is a rival of them, you know, where they're a they're they're actually afraid that the employee might somehow look better than them in some way. They're concerned about that. So maybe they, they just don't want the employee to shine more than they do. You know, that sometimes is a concern. They often lack empathy for the employee, which can be a problem. You know, like I actually was in a situation one time where the the boss had such lack of empathy for the employees. And, and this particular boss was a single mom herself at one point, but then her by the time we got there, her kids had been grown. But one of the other employees was a single mom. She actually, you know, told the single mom that, you know, her kids should take an Uber or a cab to take themselves to doctor's appointments, that, you know, she wasn't allowed to take time off, like she didn't really care, that, you know, her kids needed, if they were sick or anything like that, there was absolutely no empathy for that, completely insensitive to what was going on for this particular single mom. You know, the bosses who are, you know, if somebody's dog died or something, they might just be like, so what? Who cares? If, if there's a death in the family or something, they might just be like, you know, that we have to work. People can't just take time off. You know, I've seen that before. You know, they, they, um, maybe they over-exaggerate themselves, their accomplishments, their abilities. They actually might lie about themselves and their abilities. You might actually see them lie about their accomplishments and their abilities to clients. And you know that what they're saying is not true. That I've seen before as well, you know, which is completely wrong. You, you might actually see them lie about numbers of what the company is doing, you know, as far as how successful the company actually is. You might see that they don't have integrity around that. You might actually see them cheating clients as far as cheating them out of money. That's something else that you might see a narcissistic boss doing. You might see them, you know, taking advantage of people, taking advantage not just of, of clients, but taking advantage of of other employees in the company as well, you know, to get what they want, lying, lying to clients, lying to other people, lying to their spouses. You know, you might see them telling their spouse that they're at work and you know that they haven't been at work. You might see them being with other people that they're, you know, that there's cheating on their spouse and you might have to, they might ask you to cover for them, which you might feel uncomfortable about. You know, all of these things are just not okay. So, and you might see that the boss is just constantly bragging about his or her accomplishments, bragging about how great they are, 
bragging about all the things that they've done in the past and getting you to constantly acknowledge how great they are, making sure that you know all of the amazing things that they've done, how smart they are, how brilliant they are. Also, if they make mistakes, if they've, you know, if they screw up, they blame you or they blame others. They don't ever take responsibility for that. That's a really uncomfortable situation to be in. You see them that they never say sorry. They never apologize, especially if they make you take responsibility for that. And they're blaming you and they're angry at you and they, you know, they're yelling at you. And you know that it's not you. You know that it was them, but yet they're yelling at you for it. And they, they can even be verbally and emotionally abusive toward you. And you know that it was their screw up, you know, and that, that often happens. So th- those are just some of the things that I have seen with narcissistic bosses, making them, ma- making people st- work ridiculous hours making people stay late, demeaning people, making people who are have very amazing skills, getting them coffee just to treat them poorly, just because they can, just to show them that they have control over them, just to demean them on purpose, just to degrade them on purpose, just to personally show them that they can publicly humiliate them on purpose, triangulate people, get somebody to be angry at somebody else because they want this person to be pitted against this person. They want to make sure that these these two people never become friends because they don't want these two people to ever be friends with each other. They want them both to be beholden to them and them alone. You know, so those are just some of the things. If you've seen any of these things, I'm sure that you are probably dealing with a narcissistic boss and it's probably a highly toxic work environment and probably not one in which you want to stay very long. And and one thing that I do want you to know is that I've been in situations like that and it's not something that you can tolerate, but there are things that you can do in the short term, which is you know, you can say, I will not be disrespected as a human being. And you cannot speak to me in a way that's disrespectful, you know, and, and yes, I work for you, but I will be treated in a way that's respectful. And, and if they don't want to treat you in a way that's respectful, you don't have to stay there. You know, you, there are other situations out there and you just need to start thinking about how you're going to manifest that. Just start writing out what your perfect job is going to be for you. Start deciding that you're manifesting that and start thinking about where it is that you want to be and what that's going to look like for you and start deciding where it is that you want to go. So, okay, 
You want to know the real reason why they just won't leave you alone. It's so crazy because people don't just like leave narcissistic relationships, you know, whether it's a business relationship or personal relationship, you don't just casually go, hey, you know what? This isn't working out anymore. Let me just catch on the flip side. We'll just stay friends and we'll just be cordial to each other. I tried that. I was in a business relationship with a narcissist and I thought, oh, I'll just just figure out a way that we can stay friends. And it did not work out that way for me. I tried. I tried everything that I could to try to keep it nice. It wasn't going to work that way for me. I really, really wanted to. It's like you're running out of a burning building. Like you're just with your hair is on fire and you're trying to get out. And, and you hope to hell you get out of there with the clothes on your back. That, that's the analogy that I have when you're like trying to get the hell out of these relationships. And then they just will not leave you alone. And you think, why, why would I want to be in this relationship with you? You were horrible. And yet they don't see it that way. You know, a lot of times they see it as, well, you were horrible too. You were just as bad. I was only responding to you. They see you as the enemy a lot of times. I mean, they're just so warped in their brain. But why do they not leave you alone? It's like they have this whole love-hate relationship with you. And, and I, I have a whole video on why narcissists love you and also hate you. And you can definitely check that out if you would like. But why they don't leave you alone is because, well, it all comes down to, you guessed it, that narcissistic supply. That is their lifeblood. That is their food. That is their oxygen. And of course, when it comes down to negotiating with them, you are still a source of supply for them. And so they are going to want to continue to keep you as a source of supply. And even though they'll sit there and they'll say, I want to settle this. I want to get this done. How come you're not settling this? And yet you're sitting there going, well, you didn't provide what you were supposed to provide. You didn't provide the document. You're the one that filed 50,000 motions. And they're going to go, but you aren't the, aren't the one settling. Gaslighting you once again. They act like you're the one that has the problem, yet you know darn well that they're the ones that are continuing the problem. And I know as a lawyer who has represented tons of these people, they'll sit there and they'll say, I'd rather pay you than her. They'll say that straight up to the lawyer. They know because they don't see you as a person. They see you as an opportunity. It's like a game. They're like sitting there playing a video game. It's like they get a dopamine hit from the pawns of, you know, moving these pieces around on a board or whatever. Like they they enjoy, you know, manipulating people. It's fun for them. They enjoy it. And so that's why they do it. To them, you're still a way to get that dopamine hit. And they they enjoy messing with you. As long as you are a way to get supply for them, 
They're not going to leave you alone. And so you are either going to be a source of adulation for them or a source of prestige or a source of, you know, all of that is like that grade A diamond level supply. The grade A diamond level supply is it feeds their ego. Like how, how do they look? How do they look to the world? They look to the world like they're, they're great. They look wonderful to the world. So they can show the world how amazing they are, whether it's that prestigious job, the prestigious house, car, bank account, you know, all of those things, right? Or it can be people telling them how great they are, how smart they are, you know, because they want to believe that they're smarter than everybody else and all that good stuff too, right? So now all of that is the grade A diamond level supply. And then there's that what I call the dark underbelly, that supply that they also get from making people feel small, jerking them around. It's almost like the kid with the earthworm when they put like the pins in it and they enjoy seeing how the earthworm just sort of like moves around, you know, and, and move like on the ground. That's kind of what they're doing when they, they, they're seeing you sort of be manipulated like that. And that's why they don't leave you alone. That's why they come back. That's why they you get the little ping hoover in your inbox six months later, a year later, and you think, oh, God, I've been finally free of this person. And oh, my God, here they are back again. And, you know, they're, they're actually very codependent. They don't like being alone. They don't want to be abandoned. They might act like they don't want you around or whatever. But the bottom line is, if there's nobody else around, you know, they're going to look for, hey, who can, you know, who can I hit up right now, right? They might look to see who's around right at that moment, right? And if there's somebody that they can, you know, find to go hang out with, then they'll, they'll do that. Or if there's somebody who's going to take care of them, They'll go find that person or somebody who can give them money or financial support or whatever it is. They'll go find that person too. They don't. They don't want to have to be alone. And, and especially, you know, if you've rejected them or something like that, they they really can't handle that. So that's why they don't leave you alone. And especially the more supply you've given them, if you try to rip it away, they're, they're going to come back to try to get it back. So all right. So yes, you cannot get a narcissist to actually change their personality, but you can get them to change how they will deal and interact with you. And I'm going to give you six ways to get them to change in how they deal and interact with you in this video. So stay tuned and watch all the way to the end so that you can see what I mean. What I mean is they've been conditioning you from the beginning. You have been dealing with them. They've been love bombing you. Now, this is whether you're in a romantic relationship a business relationship, even a family relationship, even if you've known them forever, they condition you. They expect you to act in a certain way. So what you have to do is condition them back. You have to let them know, hey, this ain't how it's going to go anymore. There's a new game in town. Things are changing. Things are shifting. And the way that we've had a paradigm, 
the way things have gone before ain't the way it's going to be anymore. So you're going to have to change. And so you're basically reconditioning them back. And the way I explain it and the way I want you to understand this is that it's the same as if you are dealing with a toddler, the same as if you're dealing with a two-year-old who's having a tantrum. When two-year-olds have tantrums and they're conditioning their their parents, basically, the parents see the two-year-old having a a tantrum on the floor, right? And for those of you who've had two-year-olds, you know what I mean. What happens is the two-year-old wants something. Let's say it's a bottle. And the two-year-old is saying, I want that bottle. And the parents are going, nope, you don't get the bottle anymore. You have to use the sippy cup or whatever it is. The two-year-old's like, I want the bottle. And so... What happens is if the parents give in to that tantrum, then the next time the two-year-old just goes, you know what? It worked last time. So next time I'm just going to scream louder. I'm just going to scream longer. I'm going to kick my heels. I'm going to flail my arms. I'm going to throw things. I'm going to become even more horrible. I'm going to be make their lives miserable and I'm going to embarrass them in stores, whatever it is I need to do so that they will have to give in to me because I want that bottle. I want what I want right now. And then the parents go, oh my God, I can't take this. There's the bottle. And that's what's going on with narcissists. So until like those parents just go, "Mm, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. The kid goes, you know what? I uh, apparently they're not giving in. I'm going to have to just give up on this. I'll just have to behave. I'll just have to, you know, deal with it, take the sippy cup and they finally just give up. But guess what? They're the worst right before they decide to give up. And that's what it is with narcissists as well. So you're basically, you know, doing the same thing. You're reconditioning them. Do they change inherently? No. Because they're not actually two-year-olds, they're actually adults. But you are conditioning them to let them know there is a new game in town. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you these tips to let you know how to recondition them. Are are you going to change them into loving people who have empathy, who now know how to care for people and become amazing human beings who, uh, no, you're not actually changing the narcissist spots, but you're changing them into how they will, you know, treat you, respect you, or they're going to just get out of your life. All right. So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to give you six tips. Got it? Number one, you're going to understand narcissism. You are going to start really getting into... That's why you're watching this channel. That's why you're reading the books. That's why you are getting all the knowledge that you possibly can. Because honestly, the more you understand, the more you dig in, 
the more you really start powerfully understanding everything you can about narcissism, the different types of narcissism, the traits of narcissism, the traits of people that they target, you start to realize hey, this ain't me. This is them. I can't take this personally. This is something that's, uh, you know, happens to people when they were young. And you, you, you start to realize, wow, this is uh, something that, you know, took place. And by the way, as I say all the time, narcissists didn't attach themselves to you because you had so little value. They attached themselves to you because you had so much value. They liked sources of supply that have a lot of value. That's why they liked you in the first place, even though they gaslit you into believing you had no value. Understand narcissism. That's number one. Number two, set those boundaries. I said, I would say step one, don't run, you know, set boundaries. You know, you know, obviously get away from them, but you're not running away. You're setting boundaries. You know, the, the more you have fear, the more they smell it in the water. They're like sharks looking for that blood. And once they see that blood, they go for that. They go for that jugular. They they know how to instill that in you. Set boundaries and stick to those boundaries. And then number three is don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid to confront them. Don't be afraid of them. They respect people who aren't afraid of them. That's the only type of person that they actually respect. You can't have fear. You know, I started to allude to that earlier, but as soon as you have fear, they read that and then that's, that gives them supply. Your fear actually feeds that. It, they get off on that. They get a high on that. That keeps them around. That keeps them coming back. They enjoy that. You know, most people don't want people to be afraid of them. That doesn't give them joy. It gives them joy. You don't want that. And, and the more you can say, I'm not afraid of this person. They're just a small little, they're actually more afraid of you than you are of them. And the more you can see that, the more you can uncover that, the more you peel back those onion layers and see that, the more you will understand that. So no fear. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid to confront them. Don't be afraid to assert yourself, assert what's fair, assert what's best for you. Number four is related to that. And that is hold them accountable, hold them accountable for their behavior. If you're in litigation and they don't do something that they're supposed to do, they don't provide discovery that they're supposed to provide, file a motion to compel, they violate a court order, file a motion, let the court know make the court enforce that court order, ask for sanctions if you need to, you know, if if that's something that's available for that, you know, ask for attorney's fees if if you can, you know, whatever you can do, do it. 
don't sit by and go, well, I don't want to. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to, you know, hurt them. The more you do that, the more they get away with things and you're not holding them accountable. And then they think that they are, you know, still have some kind of power over you, some kind of control over you. And that's not okay. That's number four. Number five is, is reward positive behavior. When they act the way you want them to, recognize that. Say, you know, great job, or I'm glad you're using these, the parenting app like you're supposed to, or whatever it is that they're supposed to do. They do like their ego stroke, you know? So if you fluff up their ego, it's a good thing. I know you don't want to do it, you know? Uh, I, I know you don't enjoy those kinds of things, but, you know, I always say fluff or favor vomit later, you know, because it helps you to ethically manipulate the manipulator and it helps you to get some things that you want down the road if, you know, don't do it just to do it, do it to get some things that you want, right? So reward positive behavior if it's going to help you. And then number six is the final thing, and that is to totally ignore when they are trying to bait you. This is so, so, so important. Probably the most important, the most important. This is something they totally get off on is trying to bait you. And they will try to do this constantly, constantly in a myriad of different ways, probably infinite ways, thousands and thousands and thousands of ways. It will go on and on forever as long as you allow it to. It, you know, I can't even name the number of different ways that they will continue to try to bait you. But, you know, and, and depending on the type of narcissist you're dealing with, the way they bait is also infinite as well. But, you know, they will constantly try to bait you. The more you can find yourself ignoring it, rising above, smiling through it, the better it will be for you because, you know, that gives them narcissistic supply. It also gives them things that they can use against you as well. The more you react to it, remember everything you put your hand to is a potential trial exhibit as well. So make sure that you don't give them any kind of things that you can, they can use against you either, by the way. Uh, that doesn't help you at all. You know, I know it's really hard. I know it's extremely difficult, especially, you know, if you've been traumatized by them for years and years and years, definitely get the help and support that you need. Thanks for listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember that 
I have brand new episodes just like this on my YouTube channel every single day. So if you want to be empowered every single day, head over to my YouTube channel. And also you can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Zung or my TikTok at Rebecca Zung as well. And remember that you can pre-order my book right now at slaythebully.com and get early access to the manuscript as well as tons of other bonuses. And make sure to register for my brand new webinar, my new masterclass at Break Free From Hell. And it's Breaking Free From Hell, Take Back Your Power Emotionally, Physically, and Spiritually. I can't wait to support you in your journey to taking back your power. And otherwise, I will see you right back here for the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I am so excited to supporting you. And remember that today's a great day to start negotiating your best life. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 